Welcome to the Portugal podcast. It's been a while, but we're back to follow Portugal's Euro 2020 campaign that got off to a winning start against Hungary in Budapest. My name is Matthew Marshall, and I'm joined by Tom Cundit to dissect the match and look ahead to the second group stage game against Germany, which happens in Munich on Saturday. Tom, how are you going? Yep, I'm fine, Matt. Uh, all the better after yesterday's game, of course. Yeah, we've had some rough start to international tournaments, Tom, but Portugal got off to a winning start against the... Uh, and Hungary side that are not used to losing. They've been playing very well. They did very well in the UEFA Nations League. And you could see that resilience and solidity. And it took Portugal a long time to make the breakthrough. But when it did come, they came in a hurry. 3-0 victory in front of a packed stadium, which was the first time I think a lot of us have seen a full stadium in quite some time. It was uh, very nice to see and hear all those people in Budapest. But Tom, give us your thoughts on the game. Perfect outcome, without a doubt. I wouldn't say it's the perfect performance, but you know you can't really expect that from the first game, as you just explained there. It was always going to be tough, you know, hungry. No pushovers, playing in front of a full crowd. I think Portugal played very well the first half. I was very impressed with them. Second half, I thought they were quite poor for the for, for most of it. Uh, but like you say, first match really, all you want is your three points. Portugal did that, three goals to boot, which uh, you know puts them in a good position if it comes down to goal difference. At the end of the at the end of the game uh, at the end of the group stage, perfect outcome I would say. Uh, things to work on, of course. You don't want, in in a way, you don't really want your team peaking early, do you? You don't want them in perfect condition in the first game. And so, yeah, pretty perfect all round day, I'd say. Now, what about the the starting lineup? I think a lot of it was quite predictable. I think um, Patrick Ribeiro, who does a lot of good work on Portugal, predicted this starting lineup. But I think, as I mentioned in my match report, that Fernando Santos really going to his, his go-to and trusted team here, especially in midfield with William and Danilo Pereira. What did you make of the starting lineup once you saw it there on paper? You know, a lot of people have said, and I can understand, uh, you know, these thoughts that they think it was a bit too defensive. I remember even what, uh, you know, watching the build-up here in Portugal, quite a few of the analysts on TV were saying, uh, you know, beforehand that they thought it was too defensive uh, for uh, an opposition which was likely to play most of the game, you know, on the back foot and sitting deep, which is precisely what happened. And uh, and so I think that's a fair argument. On the other hand, uh, you know, I think Fernando Santos has got a system now. I think I'd, I don't think we're going to see any other system in this tournament, uh, you know, unless, you know, Portugal go into emergency mode. I think it's going to be a double pivot. Also, we have to remember Santos took four defensive midfielders in this squad. So that kind of is another indication that they're likely to play two of them, I think, in, in each match, not necessarily William and Danilo. So it was quite a predictable uh, lineup. I suppose you can say, looking at what happened when uh, you know Renato came on and, and Rafa, of course, that uh, you, know, you can look at that and say, of course, as soon as Portugal went a little bit more attacking, uh, Hungary kind of uh, you know fell apart. But I think the only reason that happened was because they'd been just using so much energy, Hungary, for the whole match, you know, trying to keep Portugal out. Portugal controlled this match from start to finish, really. Like I said, especially the second half, without playing particularly well, I thought there was a bit too much lateral passing, not much penetration at all. Proof is in the pudding. Fernando Santos, he seems to have this... Uh, he seems to have this 
kind of sixth sense, isn't it? Uh, everything he... I remember once uh, speaking to Bruno Alves about uh, the different managers because he'd actually been Portugal... Uh, he'd been a Portugal player under four different Portugal managers, the last four managers. And when it came to Fernando Santos, he said something which is very interesting, which I think we saw it again yesterday. He said he's got a kind of sixth sense or he's got just a kind of feeling for the game. And he always seems to make the right uh, substitutes at the right time. And well, that was certainly the case yesterday, wasn't it? It sure was. I think I was just like a lot of people in in thinking that Renato Sanchez would replace William a lot earlier than he did. Of course, the first substitution was Rafa coming on for Bernardo Silva in the 71st minute. And he had a huge impact, Tom. He was involved in all three goals. And, yeah, Renato Sanchez obviously played a big part in, in that second one when Rafa won the penalty. So all the two of those players coming on and playing a big role in the goals. And I think we've learned now not to really question Santos too much and, and just trust in him after, of course, delivering the, uh, the success in 2016 and turning this, uh, this Portuguese side into a very difficult team to beat. And I think what needs to be remembered with this lineup and, and with the way a lot of this match went, that I'm, I'm sure that Santos had, a, had a, an idea of looking ahead to the next two games and using this as a really solid training run uh, as to what they might face against uh, Germany and France, who obviously, without disrespect to Hungary, are a lot stronger man for man. And um, that was my thinking anyway, in maybe why he, he went for this lineup and also why he persisted with it for so long. Absolutely. It's also another thing, Matt, you have to remember, it's, it's funny, isn't it, looking at this match and uh, the criticism, I suppose, directed at Santos for being a bit too you know, defensive, conservative, not being so attacking, making these substitutions late. This is Portugal, we have to remember. 20 years ago, starting a competition like this would be amazing, isn't it? I think it just shows you where Portugal are, that, uh, you know, after a 3-0 victory in the opening game, you know, there's still quite a lot of criticism and people aren't really 100% convinced. Uh, you know, just Portugal are in such a different place to where they were in the past. Uh, you know, it's great. It's really good to have confidence, you know, and such a such a deep squad, talent all over the place. Obviously, losing João Cancelo is a, is a big blow, but Nelson Semedo did quite well. And hopefully he can maintain that and get a lot of confidence in the in the next couple of games. Let's talk about Rafa, Tom. He, he he came on as we said. He was involved in all three goals. He was really sensational. That third goal was just a thing of beauty, as you say. There's been a lot of uh, replays of the the build up for that goal, but the you know I guess the the last few passes and the double one two with Ronaldo is what most people will see. But as a team goal, it really showed that Portugal can play that beautiful football after the first two goals were I guess a bit sloppy and and the second from a penalty. I think Rafa was perhaps one of the players who was most questioned when the squad was announced. You know, he hadn't had a particularly good season for Benfica, hadn't really done anything for Portugal in the past. And it was a surprise for me. I was surprised, uh, double surprised, first of all, when Gonzalo Guedes was left out of the squad and Rafa was uh, chosen instead. And then when Rafa was the first substitute, that did surprise me. And the first kind of 10 or 15 minutes, I don't know if you remember, Matt, it looked a bit of a nightmare because, uh, you know, any time he touched the ball, he just uh, kind of lost it and uh, didn't really have any meaningful impact on the game at all. But then, but then, yeah, you know, fair play to him. Uh, you know, he really turned it on, you know, three crucial moments, of course, you know, setting up the Guerrero goal, you know, a bit of a messy goal all round, but, you know, you still have to get the assist and he did that. 
going through and getting the penalty and then the third goal an absolute beauty and the the, the pass the assist from uh like you say just the whole move was brilliant but the the final pass from rafa was really really intelligent pass you know very fast uh, to see that and perfectly weighted and a beautiful goal so yeah he'll be he'll be really pleased i'm pleased for rafa as well because he like i said he's been in this portugal squad for a long time he was in the 2016 squad i think he only got one or two minutes uh, i think if memory serves me right he came on in the game against austria right at the end but wasn't used again before or after and so yeah it's good for him to you know to get a moment that would do his confidence good because he does have certain assets we didn't really see it yesterday to be to be fair which is of course just his searing pace uh but uh you know he has have he does have certain uh, assets which uh which other players don't have in the squad. So, yeah, he's already kind of uh, written his name on this tournament. Yeah, he's going to be an important player, you would think, coming off the bench. And, and Santos just has so many options. You, you mentioned the depth in, in the holding midfield role. Of course, we saw, I don't know, if Sanchez come off the bench. You've got uh, Pote who might get a get some game time. Of course, Ralph Felix didn't even get, a, get on the pitch yesterday. And then, of course, we also have uh, Andre Silva, who's another target man option if, if they decide to go that way. Let's speculate a little bit now on, on Germany. Obviously, we saw them go down 1-0 against France. Germany have had problems over the last... Oof, years, a couple of years since the debacle at the 2018 World Cup. They're very, very, very susceptible to the counter-attack. Do you think Santos will stick to his guns, Tom, and select a similar formation and similar lineup, or do you think he might make some switches to get some pace out wide to try and attack that susceptible German defence? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you, you don't really expect uh, you know, so many games coming thick and fast, three games in eight game, uh, in eight days. You don't really expect Santos to, uh, you know, to pick the same team. But in some ways, this is this is almost, uh, you know, uh, like you said, it was almost kind of a dress rehearsal for the Germany game. I would have expected this lineup for the Germany game, uh, and so it's going to be interesting if there are changes. A lot of people were a bit disappointed with uh, Diogo Jota yesterday. Uh, I think myself included, but he has been, you know, really good for Portugal recently. Uh, you know, he he was probably one of the best players in the in the last set of games in the international games in March, and he's precisely the kind of player who I think can really do some damage to uh, to Germany just because of what you said there, Matt. You know, they Portugal are kind of in the perfect situation now, aren't they? Because they've got three points on the board, uh, got a few goals, and Germany are, you know. They're a bit desperate because they lost their first game. If they lose this game, you know, they could be on their way out already. So they're going to have to make order running. Uh, Portugal will, that, that, you know, in theory, that should suit Portugal, you know, as long as they don't concede an early goal because uh, that's usually when Portugal thrive, when their teams are coming at them, leaving a bit of space uh, so they can counter. And to counter, uh, you need players like Diogo Jota, uh, I suppose it's probably a bit much to ask, isn't it? To for, I can't really see Rafa starting, although he also, Rafa Silva, I'm talking about, although 
he also would be a you know very good counter-attacking player. I actually think I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Fernando Santos goes for the exact same lineup. To be honest, but uh, but you know what do you think? Something tells me he's not going to to tinker too much. He's going to stick with a with a winning team. People thinking that he's going to you know select players based purely just on pace. I don't, I don't see him doing that. I think, you know, we've seen him more than content. We saw it against Hungary. He's more than content and more than happy when his team are, uh, you know, playing well and dominating games. And then he'll just use his options off the bench. So my 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 idea is that he will he will go with the same, you know, go same sort of structure, same sort of idea. And then, as I say, he's got all those weapons off the bench that he can bring on and then try and open it up late on when... If the game is tied in the second half, then Germany will have to open up even more. And, um, you know, that, that incident we saw yesterday with uh, Mbappe just steaming past Mats Hummels. Oh, it, was, it was just incredible. He was about 10, <laughs> 10 metres behind him and just, yeah. just just went past him. I thought it should have been a penalty. I thought he went through his legs. But either way, yeah. you know, if you can isolate Hummels, I'm assuming he starts again. He's obviously a weak link turning and very, very slow. Well, he looked very, very slow against Mbappe. We should give him a little bit of credit. But, yeah, if you can isolate him, obviously, there's there's big, big um, rewards that could be gained from doing that. So I, I think he'll just leave that to Ronaldo. And, again, if Jota does start, he can do that. I, I, my initial thought was he'll probably sacrifice Jota for another midfielder, maybe maybe bring in Joao Moutinho, you know, and then just sort of do what he did in the 2016 uh, tournament and, and play that three-man midfield and and keep uh, Bernardo and, and move uh, Bruno Fernandes a little bit out wide. I don't think, yeah, I, I just can't see Santos really making that many changes just for the sake of it to bring in more pace. So I think he, he values solidity more than anything else. Yeah. And, um, you know, he'll be more than content to just hang in there and be defensively solid. And then, you know, he, he, he won't mind if they go into the break uh, uh, with the game tied, I'm sure. And he'll yeah, look... Yeah, do, do you think, Matt, with the, you know... I mean, we talked about Rafa. We, we we can't really ignore the impact which Sanchez had as well. You know, he really just got ten minutes, but just looked great, didn't he? When he when he came on, do you think uh, he might be tempted? I know that will kind of change the structure of the team a bit, uh, but just because of also the physicality, we all know that uh, you know Portugal Germany matchups in the seniors and also in uh, at youth level, as you yourself saw, you know at uh, at the Euros uh, under 21s. That's sometimes where Portugal can struggle a little bit when they play against Germany, uh, and you know a lot, of, a lot of Portugal's attacking players, uh, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, Diogo Jota. You know they're not really strong physical players. Do you think he might be tempted to bring in Sanchez from that point of view? I, he could, he could do. It's really, really, really difficult to tell. But my initial thought is just that he will use him off the bench again, and just okay. continue to warm him into the tournament. I think what you need to remember, as we saw with uh, Louis George at the Under-21 European Championship, is that you know he will use most of these players at some stage. So that means that Joao Felix will come into contention, and, and you know he he could be a surprise starter. Also, he could be a direct swap for for Jota. You never know, because you have yeah. to you have to keep these guys on their toes. You have to surprise the opposition. There's so many reasons why you can make some of these left field decisions that people are not expecting. And that would, that would also be something that he could use. You know, he's, he's got quite a lot of pace. But I think the way this game is likely to go, you know, you're going to leave Ronaldo up there and you're going to try and isolate him with someone like Hummels. And would, if that's likely to happen, then you want guys who are really excellent uh, at, at releasing those passes. 
So you're looking at Bruno Fernandes, you're looking at Bernardo Silva, and you're looking at someone like João Moutinho, as I said, yeah. maybe, who, who can play those, who has the vision to, to play those balls. Because if that's the matchup you want to exploit, you want to be doing it as, as often as possible, and you want guys who can, number one, spot it, and number two, be able to, to pull off the, off, off the pass to, to get Ronaldo into that situation. So as I say, I wouldn't be surprised if João Moutinho starts for Jota, but anything could happen here. Portugal do get through to the group stage then you might see a similar situation to what we saw in 2016 where you start to see Renato and some of those guys start to come into it more in the knockout rounds rather than in the yeah. group, group stage but time will tell yeah. Tom time will tell you know we can't forget that the I think from the first game in first group game in 2016 to the final I think there are only five starters who who started that first game who actually started the final it was almost a different team wasn't it as soon as the knockout started for Portugal uh, at 2016. So, yeah, uh, you know, could be a similar kind of tactic this time round. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm really looking forward to this game, Tom. You're in uh, lovely Lisboa. Just give us a, a quick idea of what the feeling is like there, how all the, how's everything going post the the, the, the main, I guess, uh, coronavirus drama. I'm assuming we're a little bit uh, through the through the worst of it. So how is everything there, and how are the how's how are the people feeling about the tournament? And just give us a, a general idea of what life is like in Lisboa with uh, with Portugal in another major tournament. Yeah, sure. You know things have improved a lot. Like everywhere, it was uh, you know really bad at the start of this year. I think probably January or so. That was probably really the start of this calendar year. That was the worst time possibly in the whole of the you know whole pandemic. Know, terrible numbers at hospital hospitals just getting overwhelmed but anyway thankfully that passed yeah things have calmed down a lot i just heard a report this morning on the news that now it's 40 percent of portuguese population is fully vaccinated uh and so yeah you know and the numbers are right down now thankfully you know hardly any uh you know just one death is a bad death isn't it but uh, there's quite a few days now when you know it's zero deaths and uh you know, the, the hospital is much more alleviated. So, yep, certainly seems the worst of that has passed. And uh, and people, yeah, getting into this tournament, I think it's a bit of a slow burner. I think people uh, only now are starting to get a little bit of a Euro fever, but it was good last night to, you know, watch the news and, of course, reports up and down, not only here in Lisbon, but up and down the whole country. Lots of people out on the street uh, watching the game, you know, lots of celebrations, of course, lots of predictions, uh, lots of Superbok and Sagrash flowing, as you'd <laughs> expect. And so, uh, yeah, I think people are, are getting excited and hopefully, Matt, it will be just like 2016 when, uh, you know, people were, I wouldn't say uh, relaxed about it, but uh, perhaps, you know, wasn't at the forefront of their minds. And then as the tournament progresses, uh, as hopefully Portugal you know, uh, get nearer and nearer that, uh, you know, the final stages, I think people will really start getting excited. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing that Portugal come into a tournament like this as the defending champions. So, so many of these players going through that campaign and also Fernando Santos with all that experience of managing his team through those games. I think that's going to be a huge benefit as they try and try and retain their title. And uh, yeah. I think I think the way that the draw worked out, it, it couldn't have been better. You know, facing Hungary in the first match, overcoming a stern, difficult opponent on their home patch, was was the perfect start. And getting through that, obviously, with the win, was was perfect. And now, obviously, we take on Germany, who are who are much weaker 
than they were and definitely can be exploited. And then, of course, you know, France, World Cup champions and the, the, uh, their, their opponents in the 2016 final. So a superb, superb draw, I thought, for Portugal. And getting off to that winning start really gives me a lot of optimism that they can do well in this tournament. So not often we have a lot of optimism with Portugal, but certainly I think there is reason to, to have that for Euro 2020. Okay, Tom, thanks for your time. It's been fantastic. And uh, we'll chat again after the German game. Yeah, okay, look forward to it, Matt. Hopefully talking about another positive result. Yeah, and just a reminder to all the listeners there to keep in touch with Portugal.net for a lot of fantastic content throughout the tournament. Enjoy the match. Borussia!